Welcome back to the Clock Tower Studio for the last time this year, friends. Uh, as we End finish up, End finish up, <laughs> as we finish up our series uh, on gospel fluency uh, for this year, 2022. Um, welcome back, uh, John and Catherine. Good to be with you, friends. Yeah, good to be here. <laughs> it's been quite a journey uh, this year. Um, got to know this tiny little space in Mooney Ponds very well, intimately, you might say. Um, so, yeah, but been such a joy and a wonderful privilege to be talking about the gospel and the biblical storyline, how it applies to our real everyday lives. Um, we are finishing on a bang, mm. restoration. Um, and to kick us off, uh, what is paradise for you? In my teens, and maybe still today... <laughs> Paradise looked like the place where I could play video games <laughs> for an infinite amount of time without anyone interrupting me, judging me, or condemning me for the way that I'm choosing to use my time, mm. whilst also supplying me with an infinite supply of Doritos snacks, yeah. and Mountain Dew. <laughs> um, it still sounds pretty good, not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Have you, do your kids share that vision as well, uh, John? <laughs> Potentially, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like anything about paradise that starts with from my teens <laughs> is not going to end well. <laughs> um, I think my idea of paradise is probably based on good memories, actually, which is not dissimilar to yours. Uh, shows our limitedness, I suppose. Um I think my idea of paradise is being able to enjoy 27 degree weather with no humidity and a light breeze, um, maybe a few clouds every now and then. Uh, all the people I love in one place, probably somewhere in Europe, lots of forests, maybe some mountains, just being able to walk every day for like five hours and end at a pub somewhere and enjoy either a nice glass of rosé or a beer. If I could do that forever... I mean, that would be paradise. That sounds really good. Yeah. That sounds great. Minus the walking. <laughs> <laughs> you can play computer games yeah. while we walk. Uh, that does sound good. It sounds good. Um, for me, uh, you guys know that I am from the place in the world which is the closest to heaven on earth that you can get. Perth? Tasmania. <laughs> uh, and uh, there is a place in Tasmania called the Walls of Jerusalem National Park, which is you know very biblical. And in the Walls of Jerusalem National Park, uh, there is a little place called Dixon's Kingdom, mm -hmm. which is basically this grove. It's kind of a little valley and a, with a grove of these pencil pine trees that are like a thousand years old. Mm. And uh, camped there once, and it was just stunningly beautiful, peaceful, tranquil untouched um and the sort of place that has it's, it's stuck with me i've only ever been there once but um it matched them incredible and i'm like yep this is probably as good as it gets mm. in terms of natural beauty um uh if yeah so that's that's uh what it looks like for me i think mm. yeah uh, it's interesting isn't it that um that we even have this idea we know that there is something better than what we're currently experiencing in this present moment. Mm. And I think everybody probably has 
could answer that question, what is paradise for you? And it's probably not what you're experiencing. It's something different. It's something more, something other, something beyond yeah. that um, might be even unrealistic. It might be even better in your head than it is in reality. Yeah. Right? Um, and the Bible, I think, resonates with this idea of paradise, of, of perfection. Right? And, and let's do a little bit of a recap, right? Because we started this whole series all the way back towards the beginning of this year with creation. And we were reminded that the Genesis account is a perfect world, that God creates um, this garden paradise for his people, Adam and Eve, to live in. Um, and at the center of this garden is the tree of life. Um, I actually think that, uh, that Adam and Eve were not immortal in and of themselves. Mm. They were immortal because they had access to the tree of life they had access to god's life spring and that's what sustained them nurtured their bodies and and gave them um this this incredibly abundant life uh and of course we see that the fall their fall into rebellion and sin cuts them off from that they get expelled from the garden and that leads to death Mm. they will no longer have access to the tree of life they no longer have access to god's life-giving presence in the same way of course god's presence is still there but not in the same special and um and way which uh was able to give them this paradise so we lost it you know the famous um poem paradise lost is a good and apt description of what happens then as the the story continues, um, we just start to get hints that this paradise might come back. Um, even in the tabernacle, um, the, the mm. tent of meeting that uh, Moses um, constructs in the desert, uh, the symbolism of that place was um, of the garden again, mm. of, of a new heaven and new earth. Um, that this is creation with God present in a special way. There's a hint there. And then uh, perhaps even more obviously when we get through to the prophets, particularly Isaiah, we start seeing the language for the first time of new heaven and new earth, Um, a cosmic restoration of of the goodness of God back into the world, uh, back into the universe actually. Um, We see that's restoration of the physical world. So no sickness, no disaster no death, uh, restoration of the relational world, no conflict, no strife, perfect enjoyment of each other and God's world, Um, and restoration of the spiritual world, actually, like it's spiritual worship becomes perfect and complete. Mm. And probably could read into it that that perfect worship is what fuels the... um, uh, the the, re- the other types of restoration, the restoration with each other, restoration with the world. Um, I'll get back to that in a second. Uh, so the Bible, the Bible storyline um, starts to bring in these hints that um, what was lost can be found again uh, and that God will do it. It won't be because of human ingenuity. It will be because God graciously, merci- mercifully brings this about. Um, skipping forward all the way to the final book of the Bible, Revelation, not Revelations, bugbear, Revelation. <laughs> um, we see this ha- unfolding, right? This is a, a, a prediction of the future. Um, what happens first, uh, uh, Revelations uh, 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 kind of puts forward, is that there's a judgment day mm. when 
God puts his final stamp of no on evil and sin. Those who have pursued evil and sin are um, consigned to to judgment and, and destruction in hell. And those who have been saved by the blood of Jesus and um, have come under the blood of the Lamb are invited to live with God in a new and perfect way forever and ever. And the picture for this is um, in Revelation 21, the, the new Jerusalem, right? A picture for the, the community of God coming down from out of heaven so that God would dwell with people uh, forever and ever. Um, and interestingly, again, we have the tree of life reappears mm. <laughs> um, there with the, the leaves being the healing for the nation. So God, people have access, unfettered access to God's life-giving presence again and are able to live forever with um, that presence. Um, and at the same time, God wipes away every tear. There's no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Uh, for it says, for the old order of things has passed away. This is something truly new. Um, interesting that uh, it says that there would be no more sin. Sin has gone, dealt with, um, disappeared forever. Why? Not because uh, it, God kind of magically um, like shifts it away, <laughs> but because we see God face to face. His glory becomes so uh, unfettered, so, uh, so beautiful, uh, that it's not that we... Can't, not just that we can't sin anymore, we don't want to mm. because the glory of God would be so present to us that any other lesser glory just couldn't possibly compare. Um, so that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians, that now we see as in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Um, and that's great. So, um, And what's also interesting is that this is the reappearance of a paradise garden, but not just a garden, now a garden city. So don't imagine uh, that is actually going to be better than the garden, better than Eden. This is Eden as it was meant to become. This is uh, a garden city, a civilization with culture and, um, and everything that humans long for and enjoy is there in relationship and what we develop and create. This is... This is people living out God's mandate to s- fulfill the earth and subdue it in, in the way they were always intended. So the emphasis and direction on the story of the Bible is not towards this ethereal, ghost-like, living in heaven, on clouds, playing hearts of angels. The direction of the Bible is towards a very real, very physical, very earthly, actually, life. Forever and ever. Not to say that God, uh, that the Bible doesn't um, talk about going to heaven. It does actually, and there's mm. there's a sense of which there's something to that happens when you die before that new heavens and new earth. There's, you know, Paul says, I, "I long to go and be with Christ." So there's something there. <laughs> there's a way of being with Christ um, before uh, a new body, but um, that's not the emphasis. It's not the end game. Um, so what's the point of this? Well. It's not just pie in the sky. It's not just, it is something that we have to wait for and who, know, who, who knows how long we have to wait for it. Could be today. Could be a thousand years. We don't know. Um, but in a very real way, the, uh, it's, it's, it's very, it's definitely that the Bible says Christians should um, enjoy waiting for it. It's worth the wait, basically. Mm-hmm. 
While at the same time, actually, we don't have to wait because the restoration has already begun in part. Um, Paul calls Jesus' resurrection the first fruits of those who have died. Jesus was raised with the type of real human body that belongs, not with this age of sin and death, but with the new age. He is the first fruit, the, 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 the first installment of a new creation. He exists right now in heaven with God as human, as human as human was always meant to be. And so he is the promise that those who are saved by his blood, united with him, will one day join him with the same kind of body. That's really exciting. Uh, Paul also says that the very spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that the Holy Spirit who brings about new creation is at work in us right now. We talked about this last week, uh, last episode with um, renewal, right? That that is a form of new creation. It's our spirits being renewed daily, not yet perfectly, um, but it's a foretaste of what is to come, that what is now happening to us spiritually will one day happen to us physically along with the whole world, the whole cosmos. So, in other words, uh, we are being prepared, I think, for this new life, for this new creation, even now as we still suffer the effects of sin and death. So there's a lot of hope there. Mm. Um, that's the story so far and the story to come, actually. Uh, where do we see this, uh, John and Catherine, in our world? Do we see this? Do we see mirrors of this? Do we see reflections of this and how people act and live and think? Mm, I think we see uh, attempts to achieve um, some sense of utopia, some sense of perfection in a number of places in the world. Uh, um, I guess my experience uh, in previous lives <laughs> has been in sociology and psychology. And I feel like in psychology you get that in that kind of uh, that self-actualization thing where if I can just, you know, achieve all the things, get to perfect mental well-being, be in a good sweet spot in my career and my family life, then I'll have achieved utopia. Um and in sociology, it's this geopolitical thing, right, which I feel has died a fair bit in the recent years, but in the 90s and early 2000s, it was this cosmopolitan idea, right, global governance. If we can just get everybody to work together well, mm -hmm. then we will have global peace and there won't be any more poverty and starvation and come on, people, we can just achieve this utopia together. Um, yeah. 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 I think we see... Um, this playing out really interestingly in movies. Mm. So um, I think gone are the days where there are really idealistic, utopian sort of visions of the future in the movies and now there's a real trend towards dystopian movies. Mm. And I'm a, I'm a fan of a particular subgenre of those movies, zombie movies. Um, and there's always, uh, usually, there's a good reason why this has happened. Mm. Is it because some greedy corporation has genetically modified a strain? Mm. Uh, is it because some uh, evil dictator has created a bioweapon and mm. has unleashed it on the world? You know, uh, And often these movies will point to something more sinister that lies beneath the surface mm. uh, in human um, 
community, human society, and also humans themselves. Mm. And usually what um, gets unveiled through those movies is actually the zombies aren't the real monsters here. Mm. The humans are the ones you really need to look out for. Mm. You know, And I think it's just a sign of our age that we in some ways are optimistic about human potential and the way that life could go, but also we like to think of ourselves as realists now, you know, mm. being confronted with, you know, the brokenness mm. and the flawed nature of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that those dystopian stories um, became so prevalent in young adult fiction mm. and, and movies um, and like Hunger Games, Maze Runner, and young adults because it felt like it was the next generation that were feeling the the disappointment that the promises of utopia that we saw with like Silicon Valley, the internet in the 90s, early 2000s, was just kind of like dashed. Mm. And you got this sense of uh, people going, um, we're, we're grieving that, mm. but this is the future we think is probably more realistic. Mm. It's, it's not great, actually. Um, there's still hope in all those movies. Normally there's a survivor <laughs> or a group of survivors who kind of get through. Mm. Maybe they find a cure. Like this, it's not like, it's not generally not completely drab. Mm. But nonetheless, it's, uh, it's, if we're going to get through this, it's going to be by the skin of our teeth mm. rather than mm. because we've just progressed yeah. to such a great yeah. extent. And not everyone is going to make it. Not everyone will make it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting. That's on big picture. What about in uh, people's everyday life? Like, do people generally in their experience, do they have a kind of great hope for the future, that things will get better, or, or is it more dystopian? Like, in the people you come across, yeah, what, what do you see? Well, I, I think there's an underlying assumption in most people I speak to who have children, that they're going to raise children who are better than them, mm. who don't have the same yep. psychological hang-ups, who go one step further in their academic career and get that slightly better job. Like, they're, they're not, like, pie in the sky. They're going to be mm, the, the Prime Minister of Australia, or I don't know if that's a pie in the sky kind of dream. But whatever. Whatever the... But they're just that little bit, you know. They're just going to be a little bit better than us. Yeah, I feel like yeah. a lot of people put their um, hopes and dreams the in next their generation. Next yeah. generation, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think what the past few years have taught us with the pandemic, with globalisation, with... Um, how readily we can access news and information. I think what that's um, the effect that that's had is that it's actually quenched the fires of ambition and hopes for the future. Mm. Um, and so maybe the moment that we're in, the attitude is more like, "Oh, let's hunker down mm. and do what we can to make this life as bearable and comfortable as possible." Mm. I'm not going to mm. allow myself to hope for some glorious future mm. um, because everything that um, life has taught me in the last few years is that that's not going to happen, mm. you know. So let's temper our hopes. Mm. Let's not get too carried away. Yeah, that's really interesting. And we see that maybe in the kind of quiet quitting uh, phenomena with, well, what's the point? I'm, uh, let's just do the bare minimum mm. that's required. 
maximize downtime and uh, and just kind of wait it out, see what happens. So I think there's definitely a sense of that there. Um, what about Christians? So the moment we start talking about Revelation, we need to address end times. <laughs> uh, and when I was a, a when I was growing up as a teenager, so I guess like late 90s, early 2000s, mm. I was super into end time stuff. Read Hal Lindsay's like Great Planet Earth, uh, the Left Behind novels, um, scoured the Bible code, loved it, <laughs> loved it. Um, which is, uh, it's super interesting because it seems that, um, that Christians... Uh, uh, think about the end of times, the last day, very differently depending on the kind of life they're living now. Mm. So those books I just mentioned, right? Um, Late Great Planet Earth, classic 80s, 90s, mostly 80s um, uh, novel about, you know, the piecing together the, the, the signs of the times, trying to work out when Jesus would return, et cetera, et cetera, getting it wrong generally. <laughs> um, and even the Left Behind series, which kind of came to its prevalence in Christian culture in like the uh, kind of 90s, 2000s, was written by boomers who, again, would live through those 70s and 80s. What happened then? The Cold War. Things were uncertain. Mm. There was a looming threat of disaster um, it was it was a time to be scared, a, a time when you could really consider the building your bunker in the backyard, right? <laughs> so, but then um, into the 2000s, 2010s, a much less interest in Christian culture on the end times, maybe because our life just got better mm. and there was more security, more stability, mm. still wars and stuff going on, sure, but not that touched us necessarily as deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, there were blips, well, not more than a blip, but 9-11 was a big deal. Mm. But then, they, you know... Inv- the That's somewhere else, won the, It was somewhere else, not yeah. Australia. Even yeah. for Americans, maybe, kind of won the war, like found Osama bin Laden, um, all that sort of thing. So there's a sense in which um, Christians, uh, when times are tough, we want Jesus to return and mm. put a lot of emphasis and look for it. We need to find, when is this happening, to, to get us out of this. Uh, but then when times are good, oh, life's good, prosperous, it's mm. good. Don't, maybe don't need Jesus to come back. That you know, Take his time. <laughs> so uh, it's an interesting f- uh, thing on how Christians relate to, um, to this idea that we need God to restore all things. Yeah. Uh, what are your reflections? How have you seen this worked out in Christian thinking, Christian life? Pondering, John. Yeah, I think I think my initial reaction is that's a very Western perspective, a very Australian mm. perspective, and and um, and one that I have shared certainly. Um, just funny your reflections on the the Cold War stuff and the stuff you read. If you read stuff the uh, that the Chinese people write uh, mm-hmm. in their mm-hmm. interpretations of Revelation, they mm-hmm. interpret like the beasts as American Apache helicopters and stuff because America is going to sure. come. Sure, yeah. yeah. So I think every all the different places around the world will have those different sort of cultural lenses, mm-hmm. and throughout history that'd be the same. 
Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, but I think, I think you've got to look at it. There's a bit of a global thing there as well where you look at it and go, we are um, in Australia have lived in a time of relative peace and ease for a, quite a long time. Um, when you talk to people of older generations, that's not true. So Brett's 97-year-old grandpa, he doesn't have that. He's lived mm. through some pretty hard times, mm. the World War, the Depression. Um, but, yeah, most of the people you speak to, we've lived in ease. Uh, and that gives us, I think, a very shallow, perhaps, view of what living with the hope of eternity really means. Because we go, oh, yeah, paradise is good. But as all of us reflected on our notions of paradise, it was all based on our personal historical experience. We've all had really good mm. lives, including um, events and experiences that we think are pretty close to paradise. Mm. There'd be people in the world and people throughout history <laughs> who would have no memories yeah. where they go, oh, yeah, I think that's what eternal paradise is going to mm. be like. Um, so I think that gives us a really, really um, limited understanding. Mm. I mean, yeah, m my view of paradise, walking for five hours a day, like – it's, it's it will pale in comparison to what a life in the presence of God really is like, mm. but it's still the best I can do, and it's pretty good. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's a great reflection, Catherine. Because within all of our visions of paradise, it seems like it's just uh, within our grasp, mm. in a way. So, mm. you know, both of you could sell up. And go to move to those places, and you could potentially live there for a really long time. Um, I could just build a really great PC and <laughs> order a lifetime supply of Doritos from Costco, and I'm good to go. You know, yeah. um, so it, it seems like you know, oh, it's within my reach. So I could mm. probably bring that about myself, and and so we th we can fall into the trap of oh, like you said, Catherine, just need to get that job, just need to get my house paid off mm. just need to find this person mm. or whatever mm. you know it's within my reach i can grasp that mm. you know um but the whole c.s lewis thing you know we're, we're like kids who are content with with um, making mud pies while a wonderful new experience beyond what we can even comprehend is available to us in god mm. Mm. Uh, and i wonder if we uh in our comfort in and in this um, season of unusual prosperity that we've enjoyed mm. and we've lost the the weight of the hope that we have in Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So helpful. Um, to add to that, uh, COVID is really hard and mm. was the hardest thing that most people have ever experienced by a long shot. Um, uh, older generations maybe remember harder times and, Younger generations probably not. Yeah. Uh, we got a taste of that, mm. perhaps that that longing for it to be over. Um, I you know in lockdown, longing, watching the news every day, waiting for those cases to fall, waiting for things uh, you know to go back to normal. Mm. Is what we said, right? Mm. So we got a little bit of a sense of that. Uh, I wonder if uh, if what we've seen actually through COVID is um, even for Christians is a longing for for um, restoration that doesn't really 
require God though. Like, we can get through this. We'll be okay. This time will pass. Um, things will get back to normal. The the ship will be righted. The good days of of the of the past will come again. Um, and none of that requires Christ to return. The renewal of all things, right? And so. Um, it feels like that as we've come out of the pandemic, uh, formally, maybe, we've still lots to go in terms of working on mental health and all sorts of things, right? Um, uh, wh- people, even Christians, are feeling just a bit like, uh, like uh, I said, we talked about this, we're quite quitting. Like, what's even the point? Mm-hmm. Why even try? Um, we're, we're, we've just got to get through. We've just got to survive, Actually, there's no room for flourishing here. There's no room for committing or, mm. or doing new things or taking risks. Mm. Like, what's the point? Mm. Um, and I think that that might be sad because actually th- the, the biblical teaching of a new heavens, new earth means that, yes, there's all sorts of point right now. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yes, this time will pass. It won't be because we got through, because Jesus returns and and put marks a line in the sand where he says no further mm. no longer will the earth have to revolve through these cycles of good times and bad times this is the end right and so i think for for christians it's kind of like yes every point to not only be hopeful um, but also not to just get by mm. um, because the same spirit that raised christ from dead is in us and so whether things are good or bad, the mission and the the mandate for our Christian life is the same. Mm. It's when things are good, don't be over triumphant. Mm. Don't just kind of go, um, you know, we'll live long and prosper. <laughs> but at the other end of the spectrum, when things are bad, neither to be defeated, mm. and uh, and neither to fall into a pattern of 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 just kind of going through the motions and just getting by and just surviving because. Mm. They're in the middle of there there's there's hopeful and joyful yeah. confidence and peace and actually we we that we've got stuff to do um does that mm. make sense mm. Got something. Mm. well, I feel like what you're saying a little bit is you know it's the now but not yet that often mm. we talk about as Christians we live in you know we live in the now of Jesus coming and dying for our sins and and you know. We, we live post Jesus, but not yet. He hasn't returned and renewed the earth fully. Mm. Um, so that process of renewal mm. is continuing. And I think we often, as Christians, and this is something to do with where we our historical moment and our geopolitical moment. You know, we tend to either live in the now too much, mm. and we're like it's so good, it's awesome, uh, and you forget yeah. Jesus, or you live in the not yet too much, and you go, ah, it's not. It's it's rubbish. I'm just going to give up. I'm you know not going to get out of my pajamas, which is mm. what a lot of us did during COVID. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think as Christians, we know that we've got Christ and we've got the Spirit in us in the now, but the not yet. So that whether our life is leaning towards the now being pretty rubbish or the now being pretty good, it doesn't really matter. Um, we have our hope secure, so we have the freedom to live in that hope in Christ, mm. um, regardless. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's really helpful. Yeah, I wonder if um, this is a moment for us as God's people in the West, um, in Australia, 
to reclaim that sense of hope that we have mm. in Christ. Um, so Paul says in Romans 5 that hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Mm. You know, We won't be put to shame if we place our hope in Christ mm. because of the love of God that's here with us now, presently, but still we're hoping for something in the future. Um, Paul talks about it in... 1 Corinthians 15, you know, that glorious chapter on the resurrection and mm. all the implications of the resurrection. And he talks about how sure um, Christ's resurrection is and how we as Christians need to look to Christ's resurrection as um, the, the event that solidifies our hope, mm. right? And then he, he says in verse 57, Thanks be to God, He gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore... Dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord mm. because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Mm. And so it's not... The hope that we have as Christians is not a passive sort of lazy hope. It actually gives us power to live now mm. for God, yeah. working for um, His glory, building His kingdom, you know, being on mission, uh, filled with this hope that, yes, Christ will return. The resurrection of the dead will come. He will judge all evil and injustice, and there will be a day where that is done. Mm. And somehow, God will gloriously use my meager efforts mm. to be a part of that glorious work. You mm. know, it's a mystery in a way, but it's a hope yeah, yeah. that we have that's grounded in Jesus' own resurrection. Absolutely. And as a result, that means that everything we do matters. Absolutely. It eternally matters, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, yeah, powerful motivation to live faithfully in this present age. Mm. So good. Uh, we, this is the, the we, we've completed this, the arc of the scriptures, right? Um, maybe some final thoughts as we just finish. Like, why do we need to know the whole story of the Bible? The whole point of this was to, to unpack the story and go into depth um, and to kind of bring it all together. The scriptures, one cohesive narrative. Like, as we finish up here in, in restoration, what, how has this been helpful for you personally, John and Catherine? Um, and we hope for people more generally about uh, as we've become more fluent in knowing the story, telling the story, applying the story. For me, as we've worked through putting this content together, putting this podcast and the study guides that have gone with it, something that I've noticed happening in me is um, a greater sense of resilience to uh, face the, the challenges that, I face personally day to day uh, within my own sort of humanity and my relationship with God and the sinfulness that I see there, but also like a resilience to um, confront the hardship and the suffering that is just a part of everyday life. You know, when we've got a view of God's grand narrative, his big story, you know, it helps us to understand, well, this is where we find ourselves in this moment. Mm. Um, and this is the hope that we have for the future. And what that's created in me is, is a much deeper resilience to actually deal with the hard stuff now and to mm. persevere, mm. knowing that, yeah, Christ has um, done an incredibly ato uh, powerful atoning work at the cross mm. and that his resurrection means that that power will someday 
become my reality and the reality for this entire cosmos mm. you know so yeah mm. it, it puts things into perspective mm. you know and it gives you power to to live today mm. yeah yeah it's really good okay mm. uh yeah i think it um this process of going through the the gospel story from Genesis to Revelation and sort of pulling it out a little bit and thinking about how each aspect applies, you know, creation, mm. fall, uh, promise, redemption, restoration, renewal, um, has helped me in my conversations with people who aren't yet believers to feel like I can bring gospel truth to bear without just... Um, in, in ways that aren't just going, Jesus died for your sins and, you know, he's forgiven you and going straight to the cross, which mm. is great. If you get the opportunity to tell, go straight to the cross with someone. But that's not most conversations. Most mm. conversations are about, you know, sports training or work or physical uh, or mental ill health or children or, you know, like mm. they're very mundane conversations. Mm. Um, and it's given me... Mm, a lot of resources to draw on in those conversations to bring some gospel truth to bear. So an example, a mum at school uh, had, had been going to, a, not our church, another church, uh, and she grew up going to um, Sunday school, but she's not a believer and um, had walked away from her faith, any faith really for about 40 years uh, and had lots of bad experiences with men and father figures in her life. She didn't want to go and to this church on father's day and i was like sure that's fine like if you don't go to church on father's day god's not gonna care and i can understand that would be a really psychologically difficult thing for you if you've had that much trauma um, from father figures in your life but the conversation kept going and i had the opportunity to say you know though that god is a good father you know drawing on the creation gospel conversations we had that mm. we're created in god's image and he's a good father and he has created us good in his image and all these sorts of things i was able to say yeah you may have not experienced good fathers and the father of your daughter might not be a good example of a father but you have got a good father and she has a good father in heaven and if you do go to the father's day service um you can be assured that there's a good father there with you. Um, mm. Anyway, it's just an example in my life of, of the way that I feel this has equipped me to be able to bring gospel truth to bear in conversations where previously I probably wouldn't have known how to do mm. that. Mm. Mm. Uh, that's a great um, example of gospel fluency. Um, <coughs> yeah, so wonderful. I think uh, as I've come uh, through this process, um, I'm... And even today, thinking about the end of Revelation, Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. And I think what I found really, not just helpful, but, um, but, but beautiful, is just how Jesus has been present the whole way through, from the very earliest um, pages of creation, um, in our need for a better representative than Adam was, to, uh, to hear as he returns and says, I... I um, I'm coming soon I'm to make all things new. Like mm. the the beauty, the majesty, the power of Jesus, I guess, who who for who this grand narrative, this this massive story is able to hang on this one person mm. who is God and but God with us. Um, I think it's just oh, no, it brought a desire in me to worship actually because uh our lives seem so complex um, and so often 
confronting and perplexing. And when we think of the world and its systems, you know, utterly beyond our comprehension, <coughs> and yet this is the Jesus on whom all that hangs and, and is able to be over all and in all, you know. And so uh, I've just thought it's been amazing to, to go on that ride and, and see more of him. Um, gospel fluency means Jesus fluency because it's his good news. And so um, it's been a wonderful journey. Yeah. Right. I wonder if a really nice way to end this podcast is to end with John's words from Revelation mm. and that prayer, just yeah. to say, come Lord Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Come Lord Jesus. Amen. 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 Amen.